The following has been recorded at Cairn University. Any reproduction of this recording without the express permission of the university is prohibited. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, uh, awesome to be back here. Uh, it has been 19 years since I set foot on this campus. Um, I was telling Nate uh, the other day, I said, there's nothing more dangerous than an actor without a script, because um, we just don't know what to do with ourselves when we're not giving words to say. So I'll do my best not to bumble through this. Uh, I just want to start with you know, a little nugget of wisdom I got the first, when, when I was here at PCB, one of the greatest things I ever took with me sitting here in this chapel, there's a speaker that was speaking, I was 19 years old at the time, um, and so this is not going to make sense to a lot of you at this point, and it didn't to me at that time, but the guy said to all of us, he said, he said gentlemen, how many of you are still dating your wives? Uh, ladies, how many of you are still dating your husbands? Everyone laughed. Uh, you know, it sounded ridiculous to me at the time, but now, 15 years later, I look back at that, and I cannot tell you the amount of times that I've quoted that, and I can't tell you the amount of times that that little, that little nugget in your marriages uh, moving forward will be, will be the thing that staves off uh, situation normal, that keeps things exciting, that you keep pursuing that person. So... Laugh it off now, but just, just store it back there in your, in your noggin because it's going to become important at some point. Uh, also, I want to apologize for the amount of times throughout this that I refer to Cairn as PCB. It's in my head. There's just no getting away from it. Um, so just substitute one with the other when you hear it. Um, why am I here today? Uh, I am here to tell you all and to, to beg you to please, please do not go into the arts. Um, <laughs> do not pursue one of the most impactful and influential outlets that we have in modern culture today. It is the devil's playground, and we don't belong there. Uh, if you don't believe me, I'm going to throw scripture at you, because Mark, six, uh, Mark, uh, Mark 16, 15 tells us, to go ye into all the world except Hollywood and make disciples of all men. Um, and worst of all, there are people there who think differently than us, and they love differently than us, and they talk differently than us, and they listen to Marilyn Manson and Ozzy Osbourne, so they must be Satanists. Um, I did a movie with Ozzy Osbourne's daughter a decade ago. He's a very, very nice man. Um, clearly, all that sounds ridiculous, because it is ridiculous, but those are the things that were said to me when I was your age and thinking of getting involved uh, in acting, there was a, there was a fear-mongering uh, and an us-versus-them sort of mentality when it came to Christians and media, and so we had to create our own little sects of media that were safe and that were, that were sanctioned, that we could do this, but we can't do that. Um, how do we get to that point? Uh, to answer that, a little bit about how I got to, how I found my way there. I was born and raised in Bucks County, right up the road. Uh, yep. Uh, love growing up here. Um, I was a plumber's son. My dad had a, a plumbing business here for years and years and years. I started plumbing with him when I was six on, uh, during summers. Uh, we have a rich tradition here at, at Cairn. Um, 
My grandfather graduated from, from PCB back in the 50s. My aunts have gone here. Uh, my dearest friends in this life went here. Um, and so it's just been fun to see that all come full circle. Uh, anyone who knew me, and it's funny because I've seen so many awesome faces uh, from my past, uh, but probably if you asked any of these people who knew me growing up, uh, they would have said, oh, Vogel's, Vogel's going to be a fighter pilot. That's all he wanted to do was fly. I was a nutcase with airplanes. Uh, my parents would drop me off at Willow Grove Naval Air Station. I would sit and just watch airplanes come in and go out, come in and go out. Growing up during that time, I was really not allowed to watch any, fil any, any films, uh, unless it was Focus on the Family Sanctioned uh, or a Disney classic. And I love, I love some Disney classics. So um, the first film I ever saw in a theater was a film called A Thief in the Night, a very bad, bad 1970s rapture film. Uh, we were coming back from a church softball game with my dad. We drove past the Ambler Theater, and he saw that he was playing. I got whiplash as he pulled over to the side of the road, and he marched us into the theater in his softball outfit uh, and subjected us to torture. Um, so if you want to start a kid out in the entertainment industry, that's just not the way to do it. Um, during this time, through, through, through my teen years, I was heavily involved in skits at my youth group at Davisville Baptist Church, uh, in, uh, uh, at my school doing skits when I could. Um, uh, in fact, your, your dean of music here at the school, Benjamin Harding, married my cousin Margie. Margie and I performed an absolute travesty of, uh, of a rendition of some weird skit we made up to a Michael W. Smith song called For You um, and just butchered it. And sadly, that, that VHS tape still exists today somewhere, despite my attempts to bury it. Uh, my aunt holds it as ransom. Um, when I was a senior in high school, William Tennant High School, everything, there we go, uh, everything, all my classes were geared towards going to the Air Force Academy. It's all I wanted to do. And I got lazy. And I got my paperwork in late to the academy, had to first semester, had to figure out where am I going to go. Went to, uh, went to PCB. All my friends here, family here, lo uh, logical, logical choice. Um, and I didn't realize at the time God was taking me and going, hey, I got a little something else. I know, I know you think you're going here, but I got a little something else for you to do. All that to say, my life was not set up at any point prior to this to head down this career path. Um, at PCB, I joined a group called Fishers of Men. We were like this little traveling theater group and, and went and did fun little ministry skits and still have my t-shirt. It's wonderful. Uh, and I started dating a girl, uh, which is the cause of most questionable choices in my life. Um, and she wanted to be a model more than life itself. And so I, I didn't care. Uh, it, she, but she, you know, will you go with me to one of those traveling talent searches, model searches? Yeah, sure, whatever. We showed up, we had all our teeth, and so we got, um, we got callbacks, and um, I ended up, from that, getting a career. What eventually morphed into, first a modeling career, then into uh, training and acting, and into, into my acting career. Later in life, I went back and spoke at one of those events, and I met the most beautiful woman I'd ever laid eyes on, who uh, became my wife, and uh, is just an incredible, incredible woman. Um, so I had to make a choice 
as these auditions came in between school and acting. Juggling both of that just wasn't going to happen. Um, and so I made the choice to leap into, leap into acting after my first year here at, at PCB. Um, Karen, mm-hmm. And uh, I would take the train up to New York in the morning from out of Trenton or Hamilton, go up to New York, do my auditions, come home with my dad, and I would do plumbing till 10 o'clock at night, which is where I had my first run-in with, really, with, with uh, a Christian's perspective on the entertainment industry, where, we're, where I was insta- installing a toilet in a woman's house from our church. Uh, she said, so you're going to take over your dad's business. That's great. I said, well, no, ma'am. Actually, uh, I think I'm going to be an actor. She goes, oh, well, how are you going to do that and be a Christian? I went, wow, okay. <laughs> so, and that's the, that's the mentality that was out there at that time. Um, and then July 31st, 2001, right before 9-11, uh, which was when most of you were swimming in amniotic fluid, um, uh, it was the day that changed everything. Um, <laughs> my... Uh, my grandfather, who meant so much to me, uh, passed away. And that day, um, I, had a, I had an audition for a little show called Grounded for Life. And uh, I, I called my agent and said, I'm not going. My, the, the nurses told us my gr- that Grandpa's not going to make it through the day. My dad said, you got to go. He'd want you to go. You have to go. I said, whatever. Jumped on a train, bombed up to New York, did the audition. Didn't care one bit about the audition. Figured I bombed it, got back on the train, got home, was home in time uh, to be there with him when he passed away. Uh, got a call three days later that I had gotten the part, and three days after that, the day after his funeral, I was living in Los Angeles for 12 years. Um, so that whole thing of when God closes one door of your life and just completely o- opens up something else that you never saw coming. Um, that's how I got here. How did we get here as Christians to this point where we look at media as this thing that we've had to avoid? Um, uh, Ravi Zacharias has this great book called Deliver Us From Evil. And in the book, he talks about how the church used to be the place where science and medicine and art, it was, it was the mecca of, of, of these places. It's, it's the place from which everything emanated. Until we started trying to control what people could do with it and tell them how they could think with it and the things that were okay to do with it. And so then the church started fighting and say, okay, we're going to hold on to this and you can have that. No, we're going to hold on to this, then you can have that. And we kept fighting for this smaller and smaller piece of the pie. And we ceded ground uh, and, and, and territory to secular thought. And, and removed ourselves from the conversation until we found ourselves on this little island of Christendom where, again, we, we had to create our own in- industries and our own places instead of engaging modern culture, which, which needs our voice more than anything else. Um, now, I'm not saying we don't fight for Christian ideals. Of course, we absolutely do, but we cannot disengage from popular messaging and popular culture. Um, and I think we see the fruit of that today. What I love about your generation, you guys have rejected that. I think you guys saw right through that and went, no, that's not going to work. Uh, it hasn't worked. Um, and, and so kudos, kudos to you guys, and I'm excited to see what you guys do getting out in the world and crushing it. Um, and here's the thing. God's not afraid to engage, so why are we? 
as if we need to, as if we need to somehow protect him from the world. It's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Um, what are we protecting against? Uh, why are we walling ourselves off and letting someone else control the message? Um, we're robbing Christ followers that have been infused with the power and the creative force of God from going out there and co-creating with him. And one of my best friends from high school, uh, our lives kind of mirrored each other. Um, he ended up in film as well. Uh, other side of the camera, he's done a lot of fun stuff that you guys have seen. Uh, he's come to a place in his life where he's like, you know what, I want to get into, I wanna get into uh, giving back, start teaching. So he's opened himself up to, to different schools and getting involved in a film program. There's a, a Christian college that's pursuing him. And um, they, we'd like you to come and head up our film department. Brand new $20 million film building. Beautiful. We want to turn our kids loose into, uh, in, 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 into the film industry to make a difference. Awesome. Couldn't be more excited. He's on board. And then they slide this morality clause in front of him, which is, this one is particularly archaic. One of the things of which it says, he is not allowed to dance except at sanction. Now this is a 38-year-old man, mind you, not a student. Uh, he's not allowed to dance except at sanctioned places like weddings. Now, first of all, you don't want to see him dance. It's a, it's a terrible sight. I've seen it. Uh, so maybe it's better. But the idea that we're turning kids out into, uh, turning young adults out into uh, a world and an industry to make a difference, and yet even the, even the staff members are being sheltered in this way, it it blew his mind. He's like, Mike, we're, do, we're doing everyone a disservice. Why? And so he's, he's just bagged the whole thing because he was so, so disillusioned by it. Um, but, but, so, you, so you say, Mike, we have to do these things, right? We have to protect our beliefs. We have to protect ourselves. Really? Because I went, I went here. I had lots of friends that go here. I think we all know there is nowhere that is immune to immorality, there's nowhere that is immune to all these things we're trying to protect ourselves from. I know that because I'm a parent and I have three kids. And I know with my kids, yes, I can produce obedient children and I can get a response out of them, but that's not what I want. I want kids that when I'm not there, their hearts are making the right decision. I'm, I'm setting them loose in a way to, to be great decision makers without me. Yeah, that's great in front of dad that they, that, they, that they do the right thing and I elicit the right response. But when they're your age and they're out there in the world, have they been prepared for everything they're going to see, that they're not surprised by it? Um, you know, I had, a, I had a moment, my oldest this year, I had her on, uh, on set with me. It's the first time I let her wear Comtex, where you can hear everything that's happening on set through our microphones, through the set mic, everything. And I, I got her the context, I walked away, and I got into a scene, and I turned to one of the other actors and went, oh no, oh no, she's hearing everything. And I'm listening to the conversations that are happening around me and the stuff they're talking about, and I went, holy cow. And I ran back, I said, baby, listen to me. You're going to hear some unsavory things. There, there is going to be some stuff right now that blows your mind, but this is part of understanding what's out there, what this is like, and how daddy operates in a world that is all of these things. 
and seeing how through the mind of a 10-year-old, she so maturely dealt with it, identified and understood what she didn't want to be a part of, but it's there, and she knows it. Um, in 2000, when I left, I left here, I got involved with a traveling theater group uh, run by another believer, Christian theater group. I thought, well, this is a fantastic jump-off point, great next start. I found myself training to play this missionary, Chet Bitterman, who was kidnapped in 1980 by uh, Brazilian rebels, held for ransom. We never paid the ransom. Guy was killed. Because um, of his testimony, um, today his captor is one of the strongest evangelists down in Brazil. Um, so to, to train to play this guy, I would find myself ripped out of bed at 4 a.m. in the morning, slapped, punched, hair yanked, pulled out, tied to a pole. Uh, the guy would light matches and hold them up to my nipples and burn my, and I'm going, well, I grew up wrestling, Mr. Sparling. Um, I grew up wrestling, like, this was my, I'm tough enough, bring it more, bring it, and then it got to the point where I'm like, I'm crying right now because my face is bleeding and this hurts, not because I'm acting. Not proud, punched the guy in the face, walked out, um, and, and, um, not the strongest moment. Um, and, uh, and I found out several years later uh, that guy was involved with some very unsavory things in that group that, thank God, I was spared from. It's everywhere. There is no safe space. Uh, and that's okay. Christ would be out there mixing it up with everyone. Um, we have a tendency as Christians to go into to, to, to create these, these industries and go into these ventures and say, well, I'm going to take Hollywood for Jesus. Hollywood for Jesus. And then we realize we can't. No, you're not. You're not going to take Hollywood for Jesus. But that's okay. You don't have to. We, and, and so our answer to that is to back out of it and to go, well, we're going to start making faith-based films. We're not going to play in your sandbox. And the... the you know, the whole, whole point of that is that, okay, great. So you've just ceded that territory. Um, so then someone says, well, Mike Vogel isn't a Christian because he did this movie or that movie. Trust me, I was guilty of that. When I was your age, you'd hear, you know, so-and-so was a Christian, so-and-so was a Christian. Well, no, he's not. He can't be. He did this movie. There's no way. I quickly had my eyes open that there's a lot more believers out there than you would think. Um, and it's, what's important is that we prepare young adults going into the arts, again, that whole decision-making thing, to be able to make decisions, because especially in the arts, there is no playbook. There's no, there's no rule book that says you, can do, you should do this role, not do this role, do this role, not do this role. I'm portraying someone. I'm portraying a broken human being. And so my, very early on, I made, you know, God came to me and, and, and said, hey, listen, if you, if you jump on this train, I'll steer it. That means every project you do, getting on your knees and going, am I supposed to be here? You have something for me to do here? And it has led me into projects that I, I, I can't, you know, there's sometimes I question, I'm like, why am I here? Why am I doing this? Um, and, and then all of a sudden, a door opens that I never saw coming. The amount of celebrities that I've had the opportunity to share Christ with has been, uh, has, has, 
it has blown me away um, if I just open myself up to that mission. Okay, so I convinced you to go into the arts. What kind of art are we putting out? There are two books I read growing up that, that had the most impact on my life. Lee Strobel's um, Case for Christ. Talk about that in a second. But secondly, a book by a guy named John Eldridge, Wild at Heart. For the first time in my life, I read this book where a Christian was using films such as Braveheart and Gladiator and The Matrix as an example of Christian film. And that rocked my world. Because as a kid who didn't, who didn't watch a lot of film, here's another Christian telling me that I could do this. These films were parables of one who came to fight for and save. They were the same way that Jesus used to speak of things put into film version. And there's a reason that people flocked to these films. They loved it, and they didn't know why. Yes, the fight scenes were amazing. Mel Gibson's accent was eh, but he was in a kilt, so it was okay. Um, you know, and, and, and they didn't realize that there was something written on the fabric of their being that this was calling to, that they couldn't understand why, but it resonated with them. That is great art. That is great filmmaking. <clears throat> I believe that, that those, those movies echoed a truth that transcended the material. That's what great art does. Uh, when I was a teenager growing up, not only was I not allowed to watch uh, uh, films, I was only allowed to listen to contemporary Christian music. Um, now, don't get, me, don't get me wrong. I am a freak. I love CCM, Petra, DC Talk, DeGarmo and Key. Uh, you know, all of them. I, I, I have every record that my parents had from the 70s on up. I, I love contemporary Christian music. Um, I subscribed to a Christian teenage magazine called, called Breakaway Magazine. And this, it would have articles like this. Hey, do you like Nirvana? Listen to Audio Adrenaline. <laughs> do you like Pearl Jam? How about Stephen Curtis Chapman? I love Stephen Curtis Chapman. You know, I, I, I love audio adrenaline all day long. But let's be honest, they're not the same in any world. And we all know it. That's the thing. It's like I'm sitting there as teenage me going, really? Even I know that they don't sound remote. And we were consistently 10 years behind the curve. Why is that? We have the God of the universe flowing through us, creating through us, but we settle for a lesser version of something and call it good. Um, and a little aside to what we talked about earlier, a lot of my dearest friends in this life now come out of CCM music in the 90s, um, songwriters, performers. There's stuff happening there that would make Hollywood like a church nativity scene. So again, this little area that we've created over here to be a safe space for Christians, we're, ju we're just ignoring. It is not the safe space we think it is. It does a lot of great work, but it's not the complete safe space we think it is, and we're ignoring modern culture and modern messaging, and I just think it's a travesty. Um, fortunately, a lot of artists have upped their game. My goodness, in the last five to ten years, there's been some amazing music and amazing 
music artists that have come out and really pushed the envelope up the game. That's been fantastic to see. And this brings me to my biggest pet peeve, and I hate to say it, but faith-based film. Um, now hear me, I'm not making a blanket statement here that, that faith-based film is bad, Christian music's bad, there's fantastic stuff out there. But let's also be honest with ourselves. We watch enough really great stuff, mainstream stuff out there, that when we see a phony, we go, yeah, nope, doesn't, doesn't hold up. And I, we run to Christian film because of its message, but not because it's good. We give it a pass, we hold it to a lower standard because of that message and we ignore the quality. I was watching a popular Christian film on marriage several years ago on one channel and it was up against, on another channel, this film called The Apostle by Robert Duvall. I kept flipping back and forth between both. One is upheld as this amazing, amazing Christian film, great message. The other one is about a pastor who tripped up lost his way, and still in the midst of that, was able, because of his love for Christ, was still able to engage the people around him, even as he was in prison. Robert Duvall killed it. The story, amazing. The acting, amazing. Here were two very different films from very different industries, and the one blew the other out of the water. That shouldn't be. We shouldn't, how how do you get outdone on Jesus? Like, it blew me away. Um, how many saw the Left Behind series? Um, <laughs> whoopsie. <laughs> um, I remember when, when the first Left Behind came out, there was all this hubbub that we were really pushing the envelope because the one actress in it had a lit cigarette. A lit cigarette. She never dragged on it, never took it beyond arm's length, uh, but it had a lit cigarette in it. And so that was supposed to show that we were really really pushing it. We were really, really going there. And you know, something that's always, always bothered me, why is it at church or here, we look for the guy or the gal who has the biggest, baddest, most depraved testimony, saved out of the most insane stuff, and we rush that person up onto stage, and we can't wait to hear it. But when it comes to portraying that on screen, good gracious, do we whitewash it. And we're afraid, we're afraid to show it. How do we ever show what we're saved from if, if, if we're afraid to go there? I don't understand it. <clears throat> uh, I mentioned Case for Christ. Um, 18 years old, had a huge impact on my life. Um, for once, I could put my hand on something and historically defend who Jesus was, that he lived, that he was seen after his death. And uh, I I told you, again, faith-based film being my pet peeve, Case for Christ came along, and I was like, nah, not going to do it. Read it, and went inside to my wife. I said, babe, it's actually good. (laughs) And I think God's telling me I have to go here. Like, this was my Nineveh. This was my, I was scared to death that if I went there and did this film, I would never recover. Um, and I had a conversation with the, with the director, John Gunn. He said, listen, man, I want to make a film that blows the doors off of, off of what we've seen in, in faith-based films so far. Here's the thing. My dearest friends in this life, my atheist friends, like some of the most intelligent people I know, 
the most rational people I know, they're no different from me, except we have planted our, our, our flags of faith on different places. But there's a lot about their arguments that I've got nothing to say to. Because just as, just as much as it takes faith to take a leap to a lot of places they go, it takes faith to take a leap to a, to a lot of beliefs that I have. So we wanted to do a film that didn't set up these straw man arguments, these weak arguments that, that were there to just go, boom, chop their knees out, ha, 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 gotcha, look at this fact. Like, we wanted it to be fair and accurate to Lee's story. Um, and Lee said to me at one point, he said, Mike, he said, I got to a point where it would have taken more faith to maintain my atheism than it would to, main, to make the jump to Christianity. And that's the film that we wanted to present. And, and I think we did that. So I was really, really proud of the film. And that's when it started. Cries from people in the Christian church. Your co-star was not a Christian. How, what, you couldn't find enough good Christian actors? Huh? Why are we doing this? First of all, you guys, the film's called Case for Christ. No one is going to stumble into that theater and go, I wonder what this film's about today. I'm going to get you to take a chance. Maybe this one will be... You're not fooling anyone. So it has a specific purpose. And to put a non-Christian actor into a role there, have her surrounded by Lee Strobel for fi- and Leslie Strobel for five weeks and surrounded by the gospel, isn't that why we're doing what we're doing? To attract good talent? Because it shows we have a good product and people care about it? Um, I sat down for an interview the last day of filming and uh, a gentleman from a Christian media outlet came down and sat down in front of me and he was loaded up for bear. He was waiting. And we sat down. He goes, so, uh, what movies are you ashamed that you've done of your resume? Uh, I mean, if I'm, if I'm here to look at one, I would say uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is definitely, I haven't seen it, of course, but uh, I would imagine you definitely regret that one. I just looked at him and I said, how dare you? How dare you? We're, we're trying to make steps forward, and yet there's something about us as Christians that we want to eat our own. We want to see, see them fail somehow. And I couldn't look at the guy and say, you have no idea what happened on that set. First of all, I was 21 years old. I was figuring stuff out. There's a lot of things I would do differently. But I can absolutely say that God showed up on that set off the set in a lot of ways that he will never, ever, ever know. So, the quality of art, if I can encourage us into something, putting out great stuff that is on par with or exceeds what mainstream culture is putting out there. There's no excuse not to. You guys are creative folks. We have the God of the universe inside of us. Like, there is no reason that we should not be putting out mind bl- the passion of the Christ. Listen, you may disagree with the messaging of that movie. You may disagree with the story, but it is a beautifully shot movie. It is amazingly acted by Caviezel and everything. It's done in Aramaic. Holy cow. I mean, I struggle with doing a southern accent, let alone Aramaic. So, again... I apologize, I don't want, you know, I, in talking to my wife about talking about all this, I didn't want this to come off as a big negative message. 
I just don't know how to address what we've done without pointing it out. So I want to end on encouraging you guys to, to go out there to create. I encourage you guys, pursue the arts. Please don't shy away from it. Like, we need people just invading those places and making product that we look at and go, I can't argue with that. That's just good. Um, that reason alone that we have Christ in us should be all the more, uh, all the more encouraging to get out there and make that difference. Um, <clears throat> but Mike, I'm not an artsy nerd. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. I wasn't either. I said, there's, there's no way that this, that, that, that I still struggle to call myself an artist because I hate what that term comes, comes with. But the truth is, we are all artists. The heart of what our God and who our God is, is a creator. So, okay, Mike, I'm not going into the arts. Fantastic. You want to be a pastor. You want to be a missionary, a doctor, a lawyer, a business person, whatever it is. Well, you better get your creative problem solving going. You look at a Steve Jobs, an Elon Musk, a Mark Zuckerberg. Where do you think those guys would be without having a creative pro being fantastic at creative problem solving? You'll never make an electric car. Watch this. You'll never put that car into space. Watch this. I mean, you've got to, you have to be good at adapting and, and bringing out your creativity to make these brands work in the first place. Um, so all that to say, I'm excited for you guys. Uh, I'm excited for your futures. I hope that I'm hearing you guys, seeing you guys uh, out there in the mainstream uh, in years to come. And uh, I just want to close in prayer if I could. God, thank you so much for uh, the students here, for the faculty here, and um, just how amazing, amazing this school has been for so many people. Uh, and Father, I want to pray that the students would engage you in a new way, Lord, in whatever direction they're going in in this life, uh, wherever they end up in a career path, that they would always keep in their mind that they have a creative God who was the word and created with his words and that they would use those things in whatever they do to impact this world, to make a difference, to not make boogeymen of people who don't think like us, who may not act like us and realize the only difference between us, is us and them is, is salvation, is Christ and your grace and your forgiveness um, and that they would take that into everything that they do. Um, give them a great rest of their day. And uh, let me see a little sunshine before I leave. Uh, and pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.